Do trees give off Wi-Fi? Do animals know they're naked? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This This Paranormal Life! Hello! And welcome back to This Paranormal Life. It is Tuesday, Rory. That means we have a brand new investigation from two paranormal investigators at the height of their game. It's the weekly comedy podcast where we investigate a different paranormal case and get to the bottom of whether it's true or not. How are you doing today, Roy? I'm doing fantastic. What a great intro question. Do animals know that they are naked? They should be low-key embarrassed. Because, sure, you could say uh, they obviously don't know because none of them wear any clothes. But maybe they're just little freaks. And maybe they love it. Little exhibitionists. Maybe if you could read a squirrel's mind... He'd be like, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, look at my ass. You you like like these nuts? (laughs) No, not those nuts. These nuts. (laughs) Who knows? They could be little freaks and we don't know about it. They're just getting off on the fact that they're naked all the time. It's very true. Uh, Rory, you know that one of my favorite things to talk about is animals nuts. And yet we have to move on. Okay. Okay. Because we do, as uh, uh, on every Tuesday in this paranormal life, we have a huge paranormal tale to get to the bottom of. And we don't like to, you know be one of those podcasts that rambles at the start and talks about how their week's going, does a a billion ads before the show even starts. We like to get straight to the point. And let me tell you, folks, nothing helps you get straighter to the point than drinking what I've had today, which is basically a pint of straight cold brew coffee. So this is is borderline an ad and a ramble all in one. (laughs) I am wired from this Starbucks coffee. And it's available in stores nationwide for as little as four dollars. I said we have to get every into the episode. I'm just telling you how much I'm enjoying the coffee and how you how excited I am. Evidently, drank too much to start the show. I've actually never seen them sell a cup that size. I, I think you might have brought that in yourself. I did. I brought it from home. I call it Rory's Chum Bucket, and uh, you know, if you, if you slip them enough cash under the counter, they'll just put as much coffee as you want into the bucket. Yeah, that's how paying for goods and services works. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little life hack yeah. that money can be exchanged for goods and services. Uh, I think I've told the story before, actually. I am holding my uh, Stumptown Coffee um, water canteen yeah. uh, that I bought in New York many years ago. It's pretty um, cool. I paid $20 for this. It's 1.2 liters in size. And when I bought it, as a deal, they filled it up with cold brew. Whoa. I almost died that day. <laughs> that is like, this canteen the kid's holding is the kind of thing a, a cowboy would bring into the desert for an adventure. Right. And that thing is huge. And this, and it does not need to be filled with coffee. And this urban cowboy drank a de- desert's worth of water of cold brew in one lunchtime and almost had a heart attack. <laughs> Uh, I have not done it today, thankfully. Otherwise, this would be even more unlistenable than it already was. Rory, we're dilly-dallying. Let's get into today's story. Let's do it. High energy, full focus. <laughs> not that Let's high. Let's go! Today, we begin our Hurry story up! and stop. You gotta go faster, man! I don't. <laughs> My heart is is like a butterfly. It's you so fast. You are sweating. <laughs> You're sweating bullets and the AC is up full. <gasps> okay, sorry. Continue. We begin our story today in New Jersey, home of the world-famous Atlantic City Boardwalk, Bruce Springsteen, and some of the worst reality TV in human history. We're in downtown Ocean City, just a stone's throw from the Atlantic Ocean. Very cool. It was October 16th, 1966, and two teenage boys were out walking around town. Martin Munov and Jimmy Yanchidis were happy to be out enjoying the sunshine until they noticed a surreal-looking figure. On the boardwalk? That's right. Jimmy nudged Martin as they passed the mysterious man. Who's that guy standing behind us? 
Martin craned his neck and the two slowed to an amble. The man was still standing there, motionless. He was strikingly tall and dressed in a dark suit with an almost reflective quality to it. Whoa! It shone bright green in the parts that were in the sun. There was something about him for sure that struck the two teens as odd. What time of the day is this? Is that, has that been clarified? Middle of. Middle of the day? And this borderline Goliath man in a reflective Nike tracksuit is just standing there like a statue? Right, this is Andre the Giant in a morph suit <laughs> on this boardwalk chasing these two boys. Weird enough if this was, you know, 1am, but the fact that this is broad daylight, this is, this is a weird encounter. Without warning, his upper body turned towards the boys. He moved in a strangely robotic fashion. His face stretched into a wide grin. Oh my god. But he looked anything but friendly. He was missing some features that usually come as standard on your typical human. For starts, he had no facial hair. No hair on any visible patch of skin, in fact. Okay. You can get away with that. That's fine. He also didn't have a nose or that's, any ears. <laughs> All right, that's harder. Getting harder to explain for sure. <laughs> but it wasn't until after their encounter that they were able to fully process just how much this man's appearance strayed from the average Joe on the street. But that was all they saw of the man before he disappeared. You can imagine the boys probably talked about that encounter for quite a while. You're not going to forget that face in a hurry. We're moving very quickly today. Very quickly. Oh, he moved quickly. <laughs> off the boardwalk. We're 60 seconds in and these boys have seen a creature from another world. Uh, uh, no one said that. No one said that. <laughs> he said he, he was... I said he was different to your average Joe on the street. Well, very different if he had no nose or ears and was eight foot tall. Oh, uh, no one said he was eight foot tall. You said he was towering. You said he, you called him so a Goliath. Bigger than the average man. person. And his skin slash suit was green. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, stop trying to rationalize this. I'm just saying, you know, don't get too ahead of yourself because it puts a lot of pressure on the story to live up to the words that you're saying. Okay. Right. We don't want to big it up too much. We don't want to say that he's from another planet, that he's an extraterrestrial, that he's maybe a cryptid. Right, stop talking. Okay. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely stop talking. Are you, are you like a Google SEO search? Are you trying to like get people to find this podcast through the words you're saying? You're using <laughs> sexy words because I didn't say any of those were going to be part of this episode. This episode is going to build up to the point where you show me a picture and it's just a man dressed as Yoda busking on the sidewalk. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Look, Rory, this is marketing 101. Promise low deliver high. I think that's the phrase. I don't think that's how you Under, that's not marketing. sell, over, deliver. Something like that. This podcast is porridge. This podcast is is toast, people. It's it's plain bread. And if you're lucky, we'll butter it for you. <laughs> it, sh it shouldn't be. It should be like a cinnamon toast but with banana mirror. It's going to get f***ing f***ed up very quickly. Don't make that between us. Make that the public part. Don't tell Guys, everyone that the podcast Nothing is Nothing to see bad. here. Honestly, you can turn off the episode. I'm under-promising. <laughs> You've got it In so order backwards. to over-deliver later on. I insist you continue. Just a couple of weeks later, on November 2nd, 1966, this man was seen again, but not in New Jersey this time, because almost every single sighting, besides the very first, happened in the home of the paranormal, West Virginia. Ooh, very cool. We've been spending quite a lot of time in West Virginia lately. Mm -hmm. It was actually what drew me to this case. Wow. So this guy is roaming about. He's He's got a, a motor transport, for <laughs> sure. Even if that's just his enormous legs. 
Woodrow Derenberger lived in Parkersburg, West Virginia. We know his name? <laughs> you have his address? <laughs> As I said, normal guy. He was an accountant. He was driving home along the Interstate 77 when he heard a loud crash. He slowed down and looked in the rear view mirror. A jolt ran through him as he saw a vehicle was soaring in the air toward him from behind. But the flying hunk of metal missed him completely and smashed onto the road in front of his car. The steaming wreck was a curious thing to look at. It was both old fashioned and futuristic at the same time. The car had what Woodrow described as an old-fashioned kerosene lamp chimney, flaring at both ends, narrowing down what? to a small neck and then enlarging to a great bulge in the center. If this smashed-up steampunk mobile wasn't weird enough on its own, the door opened and its occupant stepped out. His skin was tanned, and once again his face bore a constant unbreakable smile. Oh my gosh. The unnerving figure stood up to Woodrow and began speaking to him. My name is Indrid Cold. I mean no harm. Which is definitely what you say if you actually fully intend on causing harm to people, by the way. Yeah. Strange introduction, but something wasn't right. Woodrow had heard the words clear as a bell, but he realized he hadn't seen the man's lips move. They remained frozen in his mechanical grin. <laughs> Once again, he managed to speak without dropping his manic smile. I only want to know more about the human race. <laughs> I will visit you again. <laughs> this creature, whatever this thing is, is like very well-intentioned, but is going about everything the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my God, like, I don't want to frighten the human, so I, I will use the international sign of peace and burn it onto his skin with my laser eye. <laughs> it's like, no, just, we just talk here. We use words. What are words? Is it this? That's a pipe. <laughs> you can't slow down. Just chill out. Yeah. Would you rather I etch it using lasers or carve it into your skin with a knife? <laughs> Write it on a piece of paper, bud. Uh, on my planet, this is how we say hello. <laughs> Just decks him in the nose. It can't be. I refuse. It can't be. We don't have noses. <laughs> Puts him in a headlock. This is how we say I love you. <laughs> you're, you're trolling me. I think you're taking the, the guy's like giving him a wedgie. He's like 12 foot in the air because this fucker is so tall. Whoa. <laughs> this can't be how you say hello. Uh, you're so right. Like, he was just tr probably trying to uh, <laughs> gently approach those young boys, but he was standing there looking like f***ing Voldemort. No nose, uh, shining robes in the sun. <laughs> yeah. And then he got spooked and disappeared, which didn't exactly make them feel more comfortable. Give me your phone and wallet. That's how we say thank you. <laughs> this is so messed up. This can't be. It can't be. How do you know what a phone and wallet is? And yet... And yet you're so different than us. All right, so maybe you called uh, some of this story, Rory, by saying he was potentially out of this world. Yeah, and not just as a compliment. Because he did go on to say, I want to know more about the human race. So unless he is, like in a previous episode, a kind of vegetable man who grew in a forest, there's really only one option here. Alien? Alien? Right, okay. <laughs> Got it. I mean, hey, here's this the... This episode isn't porridge. <laughs> I hope that's become clear. This is the thing, you know, it's easy for us to make fun of these extraterrestrials coming down to our planet. 
and talking to us via their mind, trying to tell us to calm down. But that's the wildest shit we've ever seen before. Who's to say that if we crash on one of their planets and we're like, hey, we come in peace, we don't mean you any harm, and they're all talking to each other with their mind, being like, did that dude's mouth flaps just make words? Yeah. Like, he's talking using his his mouth hole, his face hole. To them, that would be insane. And to them, that might be a wedgie. <laughs> yeah, they're like, How that's just so offensive what you've just done. You say hi and people just start vomiting everywhere around you like, oh my God, it's disgusting. Yeah. Close your mouth. Close your face, ass. <laughs> Maybe that's where they poop out of. We don't know these things. You have to learn it. That's why I, every time I see astronauts leave the Earth's atmosphere, I'm disappointed they don't have a diaper strapped to their mouths. Because that could be an alien butt. Something to think about. Nobody ever cut that out of this podcast out of context. (laughs) Please. Someone please put uh, motivational music behind that statement. This is Rory at a NASA press conference. Excuse me, Rory, this paranormal life. <laughs> the, the whoever's in charge of the event is like, what the f- Who let him in here? Excuse me, sir, will you be putting on uh, pampers onto your mouth pooper? Get him out of here. Get him out of here. How do we not know that our human mouths are alien assholes? We're, go- we're just going. It's a routine mission to the space station. There's no aliens. There's no. Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. What if our dicks are their hands? Commander, has anyone on your team asked that question? (laughs) You're clearly wearing an adult nappy. (laughs) It's like, you're the only one that should be wearing a nappy on your face because you are literally talking shit. This guy also said, I want to know more about the human race. I will visit you again. Uh, That borderline sounds like a threat. It does. But in all seriousness, wouldn't you freak out if someone said that to you even while moving their lips? At the scene of a car crash? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Woodrow found himself at the same conclusion as us. He was convinced he'd met a being from another world. After their short conversation, he told everybody he knew what had happened. He even went so far to mention that this Indrid Cold character was from a planet called Lanulos in the galaxy of Genymedes. He also added the detail that this information had been delivered telepathically. As you might expect, nobody believed him. Yeah, that's a hard one to... I mean, like, I'm not going to doubt the legitimacy of this encounter, but... It's, you know, there's not a lot of physical evidence here. And the only things that were said were done telepathically, which is, that's hard to kind of convince people of. Yeah. You know, I don't want to... What's the galaxy? Archimedes? Genimedes. Genimedes. That might be a real galaxy. I don't know. It could be, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to light a fire under my own ass here. But um, now you mention it, I don't know why there isn't any physical evidence for a spacecraft landing in the middle of the motorway. Uh, but let's... I guess we just have to assume that Indrid Cold flew away after this. Yeah, in his f***ing wacky races speed car that he totaled on an American highway. Indrid Cold (laughs) is just somewhere on the 405 turning around uh, like signposts. Las Vegas is actually that way. His little like alien pet Muttley (laughs) giggling. To be fair, this guy's borderline giggling with his permanent smile. Rory, I think it's about time we took a look at this Indrid Cold character. As far as I can tell, there are no photographs, but here's an artist's impression I found on a cryptid wiki site. Love this. 
Whoa! Oh my <laughs> god! That's the f***ing Joker! I was not expecting this at all! I think in my head, it was gonna be a bit wilder, like a bit uh, more not human. Yeah, it's quite human. It's Very human. Literally, he's in like a full suit, creepy little grin, slick back hair, <laughs> like a 1930s gangster. Uh -huh. This is terrifying. Like one of those smiles that you'd see in a mugshot of a serial killer. For sure. Oh my God. I mean, if he's walking behind you on the boardwalk, I'm jumping off the boardwalk, bud. A hundred percent. That's really creepy. He seems to be wearing a trench coat and interestingly in this one, a checkered shirt and tie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'll I'll give it to them. Maybe that was the 60s style. Oh, get get that away from me. I don't like that at all. It's very disconcerting. I'm like, oh, f I have my photos app open. That was just my Uncle Terry. <laughs> <laughs> this is injured cold. Whoa! <laughs> this is hideous. Slicked back hair, piece of shit, grin. <laughs> Ugly little nephew. It's like, no, that's all right. That is me. Uh, Rory, we're only kind of getting started here, but I already feel like this is one of the stranger paranormal stories we've ever touched upon. Yeah. Um, you know, this seems like we're already in the midst of uh, some sort of investigation involving an extraterrestrial, but not one that would appear often in our stories, like the cliche kind of pop culture alien. This is more in the world of Sam the Swamp Jester mm -hmm. or um, the Vegetable Man, for example. This is like a, a weird creature or thing from another planet that has a very unique look to it. What I really like about this one is that sometimes on this Paranormal Life, we cover cases that because we're, uh, you know, younger than almost all the cases that we cover, True. that go back through history, you start to understand where a lot of, like, popular pop culture references come from. I really feel like this character is straight out of, like, Men in Black, the movie with Will Smith. Yeah. Where it's like, this guy will be walking around the headquarters in, uh, you know, Washington, and he's, like, a double agent for the Men in Black or something. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, this is, that's the shape that the alien takes. Yeah. And he's like, isn't that in the first Men in Black, the alien takes over the human body? And he's like always weirdly sweaty and he yeah, just wants yeah, to drink yeah. like sugar water. Because he's a bug, I think, was yeah, the story. <laughs> something weird. I don't remember those movies that well. This this son of a bitch loves sugar water. <laughs> and that's coming from a guy who just drank a Trenty cold brew with a caramel shot. This You're guy just sweating over there. <laughs> <laughs> drinking endless Starbucks. It's funny me describing that that's exactly what an alien looks like. And you're like, you're borderline twitching, <laughs> sweating profusely, drinking sugar water in a cup. Your speech is devolving into borderline and alien language. Now, that very same year, a family called the Lilies had a brush with this same smiling man. They've been having unusual happenings around the house. Diamond-shaped lights were appearing on their property, and the family had zero clue as to what was happening. Are they in West Virginia? Sure. <laughs> All right. Don't ask too many questions, because I know I said this podcast was porridge. It is also a tightly wound train on a very thin set of tracks. And uh, if a bit of, so much as a bit of porridge gets on the train lines, the train will derail and you, smash into a million pieces. Like, you're using so many different metaphors to describe this podcast. It's really not necessary for you to combine them. I don't know that the porridge metaphor had to be combined with the train metaphor. And sometimes like when the train runs out of coal, some hot porridge will do <laughs> if you throw it in the engine room. All right. I just wanted to know whether this guy was uh, hopping town to town like a paranormal drifter 
or if he had kind of settled down in West Virginia? I honestly think uh, we are still in West Virginia. Um, I think it was kind of an unusual case that he was spotted. I guess he was on a holiday in New Jersey that time. (laughs) He was eating an ice cream on the boardwalk. Went down to the boardwalk. Love it. Needless to say, for the Lily family, even before Indrid Cold shows up, uh, this is quite an extreme set of things to start happening. It's one thing in one of our paranormal stories if orbs start kind of floating around the house occasionally in the corner of your eye or you mm. see a light turn on out of nowhere. But if a f***ing light being made out of pure crystal appears on your porch, you got problems. Did you say that happened? <laughs> Diamond-shaped lights were appearing on their property. Okay, right, right, right. Well, one night, the youngest of the Lily family, Linda, was dreaming in bed when she suddenly found herself awake in the middle of the night. Blearily looking up to the end of the bed, she was shocked to her core to see a tall man standing over her bed. Whoa! It wasn't her dad. Oh my gosh. She screamed when she saw him. He was very intimidating. I found a description in her words. It was a man. A big man. Very broad. I couldn't see his face very well, but I could see that he was grinning at me. He walked around the bed and stood over me. I screamed again and hid under the covers, but when I looked up, he was gone. Now, as short as each of these different interactions is, they do all bear the same kind of strange story. This guy appears kind of out of nowhere, yeah, almost in the periphery of your vision. It takes you a while to clock that he's there. It turns out he's just staring at you with this permanent grin. And then almost when you get too freaked out, he just jets off instantly. Yeah, it's weird as well that we're not seeing like a common theme in his appearances. Like one time he's down by the boardwalk, another time he just crashed his car. And then now he's just in the bedroom of a little girl, like watching her, you know? I guess uh, maybe it comes back to this thing of like a bit like the vegetable man or a bit like how you described as an alien trying to go about things the wrong way. He's, He's like acting as if he's the playable character CJ in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. He's just like wandering into people's homes like, hello, they're like, ah! Their dad runs to get a shotgun. He's like, I mean, no harm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, you're not welcome in people's homes, dude, not in the middle of the night, but he doesn't know that. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to frighten the humans. I know, I'll go into a little girl's bedroom (laughs) at night. (laughs) Hello, child. Ah! (laughs) Oh, God. Jesus! <laughs> People seem to be scared by my face. I know. I'll wear a black ski mask. <laughs> I want to show them I mean no harm. In fact, I'll protect them from danger. Look, I have a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> they think I'm not human. I'll show them I'm just as human as them by vomiting blood. <laughs> Look, children, my genitals. I'm just like you. <laughs> Arrest that pedo! Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> He's crying. <laughs> they don't understand me. I mean, the funny thing is, is the character that I have now invented in my head is like this lovable alien <laughs> oaf. Forrest Gump of, <laughs> of space. Is not the man that you just showed me a picture of. <laughs> the man you just showed me a picture of will knife me in an alley for the f***ing coins in my pocket. Well, this is the problem. We, you know, we don't know what his intentions are, but he yeah. looks scary as shit is yeah. the problem. But that's the thing. It's like, it's a fine line between looking friendly and looking creepy. Yeah, like that yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the clown thing, yeah. right? Like that's why clowns are scary because normal clowns they're trying to like make people laugh. Big smiles, silly outfits. If you just take that smile and stretch it a, a few more inches, 
yeah. you've got like the scariest thing now. Yeah, to some people, that's that's their literal biggest fear. And is this a, is, is a smile that's too big. Yeah, and this person, it's like you know, dressed in kind of normal clothes, just normal slick back hair, shirt and tie, <laughs> normal guy, normal We're just kind normal of man, but he's just stretching the expression a bit too far. It's like the uncanny valley. That's right. You look at him and you just go, something ain't right here. Yeah. I mean, additionally, the fact that you're just in a random child's bedroom at night, that's sure. a bit of a red flag for sure. Um, yeah. Even aliens, we can only give them so much benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. This person doesn't seem to want anything either. Like he's never trying to like, he said, he um, want, I want to know more about the human race. Maybe he's just doing some on-the-ground research. Just watching. In a little kid's bedroom. This is going <laughs> in a bad direction. It really is. Yeah. Paranormal or not, he needs to be stopped, <laughs> I think. Paranormal or not, we've seen the warning signs, and we only have ourselves to blame if we don't act now. So, Rory, those are some of the witness testimonies to Indrid Cold. But what are the possible explanations here? This guy, Indrid Cold, is considered by many to be an alien entity with a close connection to UFO activity. There are also many aspects of his physical description that match another cryptid cited repeatedly also in West Virginia. Ah, MIBs. Oh, okay. Okay, I can see that. I think I'm right in saying this is part of why I wanted to cover this case. There's so many uh, paranormal things that happen around West Virginia, and I believe uh, including the Mothman and men in black spotted for the first time really that's where they originated from i believe so huh or at least the first sightings um but it adds up right i mean this guy is supposedly some kind of paranormal or intergalactic entity cosplaying as a human on earth and has this surreal weird horrible appearance but you know wears a trench coat and his slick back hair i guess the only part where that doesn't really make a ton of sense is trying to remember our conclusions and explanations for the MIBs in the episode was that they were essentially like paranormal task force that were dispatched to shut down people investigating the paranormal or to like like a cleanup crew, you know? Whereas sure. like this guy doesn't really seem like he he missed the memo I mean, about he, what he's supposed to be doing he, on he's Earth. He's just an unemployed MIB. Basically, yeah. I mean, I guess the, what it comes down to is uh, if MIBs are some class of being, this could be one of them. He's just not an MIB. Sure. Or something. He was let go. He's on furlough. So even if Indrid Cold isn't actually among the ranks of the legendary men in black, it does seem that he has a connection to the government. Now, if there are any listeners out there who started all the way back at the first episodes, this might ring a bell. Rory, stay with me here. Brace yourself. It's rumored that Indrid Cold eventually moved into the Pentagon. What? Here, he became known by a different name, Valiant Thor, or Val for short. <laughs> Where is this coming from? Val was actually mentioned in This Paranormal Life, episode 12, the 1979 alien-human battle no one knows about. Episode 12? Uh, if you remember, this was like a, supposedly some kind of alien battle that happened underneath the Earth's surface or something that was covered up by the government. Now, listening back to that episode, we laughed at the um, government official in the video where he mentioned that he knew an alien by name and started listing the difference between humans and members of Val's race. Yeah. Now, I'm starting to think we should have been paying more attention. Yeah, what the... what? That man who was interviewed was the engineer Philip Schneider, who at the time had been recruited to build an underground base for the military. 
His whole thing was that he was involved in a subterranean war against aliens in which he lost his fingers to a ray gun, if you remember. I do remember this, yeah. Kind of comes back to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was a good reveal it. where he was doing a speech at yes. a UFO conference and he held up his hand and he was missing fingers. Now, Philip claimed to have met Val in person. He maintains that Val could live almost 500 years without aging. He spoke 100 languages, a lot of which were not used on Earth. Sure. <laughs> That's convenient. <laughs> Which I really love. Yeah, I speak uh, Portuguese, French, English, of course, <laughs> you know, given that I'm yeah, speaking it now. Uh, uh, Geschmergen, Pizontarak, <laughs> Igon, um, German. <laughs> it's like very convenient that you speak a bunch of languages that we don't know anything about. Yeah, I can do English, a little bit of Japanese. Gango, gango, gango. Pretty fluent in that one, actually. Um <laughs> that one yeah, a bit rusty but you know working on it yeah so he claims he knows this specific person exactly he claims that his blood was blue pumped around his body by a circulatory system that was closer to a crab's than you or me he had no hair six fingers six toes and an iq so high it was quote impossible to measure I don't even know. I don't know if that's how IQs work. Some of you might remember that episode. If not, go back and check it out. Researcher Amy um, actually mentioned that it's her favorite TPL episode of all time. Really? Wow. Uh, but that is far from all the intel we have on Indrid Cold, a.k.a. Val, a.k.a. Valiant Thor. As I mentioned a minute ago, Val's fixed abode became the Pentagon. He was given a fully furnished apartment deep within its classified walls. He also struck up a close relationship with President Dwight Eisenhower and was apparently advising him about ending uh, the possibility of nuclear war. Why? Why was he given this responsibility? It sounds like he spent many years on this earth not even <laughs> knowing how to talk to humans or what humans are. It's a real, like, failing upwards thing. Right. Where he's like, he's kind of just like... Essentially, as we said, Forrest gumped his way into into the presidential office. Into getting a sweet apartment in the Pentagon. Yeah. I like to imagine, again, Men in Black style uh, inside some government office that looks like the fucking Apple headquarters. People walking around in lab coats and suits. And he's like walking around in a like dressing <laughs> gown with a cup of coffee and brushing his teeth. It's very like... Um, Tom Hanks stuck in the airport terminal. Yeah, <laughs> he's stuck on Earth's terminal, the Pentagon. But, I mean, it's a great question, but, you know, is it so unbelievable that if there are things like MIBs, these aliens with the ability to uh, pass as humans here on Earth, and if they are so intelligent, if they have such amazing telepathic abilities, it's a bit like our episode into Uri Geller. It's like, why wouldn't that person end up working with the government to provide intelligence and things? Yeah, I mean, it is pretty far out there, but um, this podcast is pretty far out there, so <laughs> let's not shut Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. 
Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Anything down. We might be able to give you a bit more detail on where he came from. Val claimed he had been sent to Earth by a galactic council. His native planet was Venus. He landed on Earth in a farmer's field in rural Virginia. Just a hop, skip and jump from neighboring West Virginia, where the flurry of sightings first occurred. His spaceship after crash landing was soon surrounded by local police who were all poised with the guns drawn when he stepped out unarmed and communicated telepathically with all of the officers at once, saying, I wish to speak with the president. Okay. He was whisked away to the Pentagon, where within days, he was set up with his new digs in which to live permanently. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't, because he was in a child's bedroom. We don't know what he gets up to at night. Well, we do. He's in children's bedrooms. This is the story he's, like, telling the president. He's like, I crash-landed, convinced the police to bring me right here. And it's like, they found you naked in a ditch. They already told me. With nacho cheese all in your mouth. Did they tell you about the little girl's room too? They did. They told me the whole thing. And the boardwalk and the children. You're on a list. You're on a list, to be clear. Just because you got the apartment, don't think you're not on a list. Yeah, he was originally like, they took me to the police station where I challenged the the officials there to a bench press competition. I did 600 pounds easily. It's like, that's not what happened. We know it's not what happened because we found you drunk at a Wendy's at 9 a.m. Demanding more nacho cheese. (laughs) Which they couldn't do. They were saying, we think it's poisonous to your species. We know you're an alien. Yeah. I was incognito the whole time. You're either (laughs) on drugs or you're allergic to nacho cheese because your pupils are massive. (laughs) Imagine being being such a f***ing weirdo they have to bring you to the president. (laughs) Can you imagine just being that wild and unhinged that it's like, Eisenhower's going to want to see this. I feel like I feel like Steve-O from Jackass in the mid-2000s got pretty close to that level of weirdo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like one nacho cheese-induced rampage away from probably meeting the reigning president. I completely agree. Until they they realized that you were a weapon to be uh, utilized against other nations. Yeah. Now, Roy, I appreciate everything I just said is insane. Now, allegedly, this part of our story has been confirmed by testimony from several high-ranking government officials who talk about Val as if he's completely real and they've spent years getting to know him. Do I have the names and rank of those government officials? Of course not. No. They would no longer be high-ranking if they said this publicly. That's the kind of nerdy shit that we keep off of the podcast. You guys are here for the stories. The facts, the info, not the evidence or any of that nonsense. Just trust us and the guy who got his hand shot off by a ray gun who I don't remember, but we (laughs) might have said was a no. Yeah, it's true. But there's more to this story, Rory. And even in an absence of physical evidence, as investigators, we have to check out the entire story and see if this can cast any more light uh, and make us understand better what Indrid Cold is all about. It's February 20th, 1954, and President Eisenhower was in the middle of a holiday with his family in Palm Springs, California, when he received a call. It was already after dark, and he and Mrs. Eisenhower were sound asleep. Uh, What is it? I told you not to interrupt my vacation. 
Mr. President, I think you need to get over here, stat. Now, we can't be sure exactly what he was told, but something so huge was going down that he slipped away from his wife and kids in the middle of the night and boarded the presidential jet immediately to head to Edwards Air Force Base in Kern County, California. Whoa. So Rory, what was the purpose of this midnight run to Washington? The official story is that the president fled Palm Springs in the dead of night to go to the dentist. That's what they say. Makes perfect sense to me, bud. We all have nighttime dentist appointments regularly, <laughs> don't we? Every six months, checkups at 3 a.m. Don't you? If you aren't willing to buy the dentist story, then there are other theories. Rather spookily, that night, the Associated Press put out the following headline. President Eisenhower died tonight of a heart attack in Palm Springs. What? A newspaper put that out? The AP Associated Press. It was retracted just two minutes later, and he went on to live for another 15 years. But his movements that night must have been so sudden and dramatic that the local reporters could only assume that there was a national emergency unfolding. And perhaps there was. Rumors began to swirl that he wasn't getting a chipped tooth repaired, but instead was called into an emergency meeting with extraterrestrials. Some think it could have been our good pal Val that tore him away from his family vacation. One university professor named Michael Sala has looked into the incident and has drawn his own conclusions about what really went down that night. All right, university professor, this is going to be quite a level-headed response, I'm sure. He's a man of further education. He's obviously, you know, probably got a master's degree or his doctorate, so that's good to take into account. Eisenhower went to Edwards Air Force Base, all right. And when he got there, he was faced with a pair of aliens with white hair, <laughs> pale blue eyes, and colorless lips. They had traveled from another solar system in a flying saucer just to meet the US president. They were Nordic aliens, which we've encountered many times before, Rory, uh, you'll be familiar. A pasty alien race named after the pale, sun-fearing Vikings of Scandinavia. Just like Indrid Cold or Valiant Thor, they spoke to him telepathically, offering to share their secrets of superior technology if America vowed to give up all nuclear weapons. For some reason, aliens really don't like nukes. If you remember from earlier, Valiant Thor was supposedly trying to denuclearize the Cold War. Yeah, that's true. Maybe the radiation messes up with space somehow. Or they're just smart and realize it's a bad idea. <laughs> they're trying to stop us from slapping ourselves. Yeah, basically. But Eisenhower refused to surrender this nuclear arsenal and the deal was not reached. But he did strike a deal with the aliens to give them the green light to abduct as many earthlings as their hearts desired. Okay, uh, this professor, is... Sa professor Salah. And he is a professor. Enough. He is a professor. At which How many professorships do you have? At Rory? which university? University of Life. That's what I was worried about. He says, since then, <laughs> millions of humans and cows have been whisked away into space for medical experiments. And if you're wondering how the professor knows all this and what evidence is based on, don't worry. He's been doing his homework. He said, quote, there's a lot of stuff on the internet and I just went around and pieced it together. <laughs> Did I mention the professor only has three fingers left? <laughs> so yeah, he's got some first-hand experience with these little f***ers. He's lucky he's got a first-hand after what he's been through. Yes. For the clarification of where we're getting our evidence from, he pieced it together from looking it up in the internet. But does that make him less of a professor? Yes, because that's not how the scientific method works. Sure. It is worrying. I mean, he, he, he just told a very specific story 
where, I mean, it'd be one thing if he felt like he knew why the president was there to meet with aliens. I don't know how he it was privy to the deal and the offer that was on the table. Like a lot of that information is like, there's no way you actually know that, that he was offered if he gave up the nukes, he would get information about the universe. And also, what did what did we as a species get in return for all the the humans taken away? Yeah, like four G or something. Is like is that, <laughs> yeah. is that the superior yeah. technology? PlayStation Five. <laughs> the, we really didn't have the technology. Ray to make tracing, that. Witcher Three, any of these. <laughs> <laughs> we have a dope video game called the Game Boy. <laughs> Just a. A grainy CIA redacted photo of President Eisenhower shaking hands with Miyamoto from Nintendo Corporation. <laughs> you are the only games designer that can be trusted with this incredible technology. But clearly, Rory, some of this is a certain degree of speculation, but still a pretty wild story in terms of, you know, getting the kind of paranormal and conspiracy cogs turning that he was whisked away in the middle of the night like that. I mean, I don't really know a lot about the how how often that happens to a president. Is that maybe that's a common thing, like getting jetted away in the middle of the night to do secret meetings and shit like that? Yeah, I do wonder. I mean, it definitely happens in this country, but it's normally when something public happens, like um, the war in the Ukraine breaks out. Prime Minister Boris Johnson cuts his holiday short to come back to sort it out. Um, right. But it's the covering it up and saying it was the dentist. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because then usually they would say why they were whisked away. But in this case, if they're saying he's going to a, de- he had to be flown to a dentist. I mean, that's pretty extreme, isn't it? But I mean, that could be anything. That could just be some classified report that they can't disclose. Just say that. Even if it was <laughs> to go meet aliens, just say we we have it's classified. <laughs> People would understand. Look, Professor Michael might not have been the most uh, trustworthy reference to base. Sure half of the episode on. But if you don't like hearing from the prof himself, how about listening to Eisenhower herself? That's right, Laura Eisenhower, the great-granddaughter of Big DDE himself, Dwight David Eisenhower. She was interviewed for a show called UFO Witness and made some pretty bold claims with a straight face. I bet she did, yeah. If you're one thing, if she was interviewed by the BBC, it's like, you won't believe what she actually said on Truth Exposed, the UFO conspiracies. <laughs> you won't believe what she said on the Alex Jones podcast. <laughs> There's a widespread rumor in UFOlogy circles that I've always been curious about. It's believed that President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed a peace treaty with an alien race in 1954 that might have allowed for human abductions. I mean, if this is true, it would be an explosive revelation. So I'm going to continue my investigation by speaking with Laura Eisenhower, President Eisenhower's great-granddaughter. Hi there. Hey, Laura. Looks pretty trustworthy, don't you think? Just a woman. I don't know what to say. This is surprisingly recent looking. Some, Some rumors that I'm hoping you can either confirm or deny for me. I'm just going to come right out and ask you, do you believe that your great-grandfather, Dwight D. Eisenhower, signed a treaty with extraterrestrials? The balls it takes to even ask her this. It's a true story. What I've learned about Eisenhower's relationship to extraterrestrial beings and ET government treaties is that supposedly in 1954, there was a meeting at Edwards Air Force Base. Right. Uh, they seemed to have diplomatic intention. 
The treaties had to do with bartering exchanges of planetary goods, uh, natural resources, elements. Mm, sounds pretty believable. And it was in exchange for like things like abduction. Huh. Why would they want to abduct humans? What are they doing with that? But they need our DNA. We have a treasure of DNA. I agree. I do agree. It's interesting you say that because the abductees that I've talked to, that seems to be a very common theme. If you were in your grandfather's place, I mean, do you have a better understanding? Do you blame him for what he did? I am not here to protect anybody. I know that he just had no idea what he was dealing with at the time. Right. How could anybody truly process the larger picture of all this. What do you think the government loses by telling the American public and giving full disclosure about these treaties and the abductions? Why are they trying to sweep it under the rug and hide it? You're gonna have your well-intentioned people that are trying to do their best for humanity that are aware of what's going on to a certain degree and they are being heavily stopped from being able to put out disclosure. Plus what they have to lose uh, is their life. <laughs> Oh, there you go. <laughs> that shut him up. Wow. What, uh, what's the risk? Um, their f***ing teeth and fingertips? <laughs> because they will be bashed into dust? Yeah. It's like, so, Laura, what, what, do, you, uh, what do you have to lose by badmouthing the mafia in Italy? Uh, oh, I don't know. Um, wow, Rory, that was, that was some pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, a lot of interesting claims made uh, on that call. Hey, you know what? I'll, I'll go as far to say... When posed with the question, why would aliens want human DNA? And the explanation was to to kind of like unlock part of the mysteries of the universe. I kind of like that. You know, if there was a, a species out there that was so far beyond us in terms of their intelligence and they were trying to kind of like they were at that point where they're like, hey, we want to understand everything in the universe. Humans are probably a pretty well, at least a piece of that, you know. To them, it would be the same as examining, uh, like, every living creature in the universe, you know? If we're made of, like, stardust and the blueprints of the galaxy, sure, it's pretty important to be able to, like, beam one of us suckers up onto their little craft and take a peek. Dude, it's pretty rich of any human to say that aliens wouldn't be interested in abducting humans, given that... We abduct an awful lot of creatures here on Earth for scientific research. <laughs> yeah. We gank a lot of whales, even though they're almost extinct, just to cut them open and see what's going on inside. Yeah, like we send rockets all the way to Mars to pick up rocks. If there were f***ing glimbos running around on Mars, we'd be taking the glimbos. We'd be cutting the glimbos up, seeing what makes the glimbos tick. Oh my God, of course. We'd be absolutely abducting them. So uh, that makes total sense. You know, maybe in retrospect, I should have made it all about this. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than Thor. But, you know, Indrid Cold does play a very crucial part of all this, uh, even as kind of wild as some of his story seems, because supposedly he's the link. He's the link for Eisenhower and, and this whole story of his intergalactic uh, meeting um, that's how it all supposedly kind of came about. Um, it seems that it wasn't just a one-off meeting of the U.S. government and an alien race, but mm -hmm. it is a movie story of aliens and extraterrestrial life intertwining in, in human politics yeah. over the last 50 years. I guess the only thing that makes this... Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that make this an incredibly wild story to try and get on board with. 
But um, even, did you say this is his granddaughter? Uh, great-granddaughter, I think. Great-granddaughter. I mean, no, how... Yeah, great-granddaughter. How is she privy to this information? Like, how does know, she know man. that? Like, it obviously, even if he told it to his wife, even if he told it to his children, I mean, it's pretty insane to think that sh this person know, has the authority... I don't know, maybe a family authority. portrait up on the f***ing <laughs> wall of him shaking hands with a Greg. <laughs> Just a tentacle wrapped around his hand. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. It's pretty wild. Rory, we best not beat around the bush. Today, we have looked all into the case of... Let's dial it down to Indrid Cold, because Indrid Cold, a.k.a. Valiant Thor, is the, the alien, the man with the plan, the alien with the plan at the center of U.S. government, supposedly living literally in the Pentagon and advising Eisenhower yeah. through the Cold War. Is Indrid Cold real? I think it's smart to focus in on that because U.S. government meeting aliens, that's a whole can of worms <laughs> that we shouldn't have to come down on a conclusion with in one episode. So focusing on Mr. Cold, Mr. Freeze, uh, is a smart move today. I think it's a no from me. <laughs> to clarify. I appreciate the hesitation, <laughs> though. I really do. I really appreciate that. I enjoy him as a character, and, and all the encounters we had with him are fantastic but i think in terms of like explanation and motivation and evidence we're kind of coming up empty-handed i mean he's seen on a boardwalk he's seen in a children's bedroom he wrapped his space porsche around a tree and had to communicate telepathically to tell someone to f off yeah he didn't even do like the mibs and like float off the ground or something yeah so it's it's hard if we're focusing specifically on this person to come down on a yes. So I think it's a no from me this week. There's no goddamn evidence. It's a double no today in the case of injured cold, but love talking about West Virginia. Again, um, the home of the paranormal. But I hope you enjoyed this investigation into him anyway. I did. You know, pretty cool to come full circle from an extremely early episode of this paranormal life. And who knows, maybe this whole kerfuffle will come up again in future with President Eisenhower. Yeah, that's a great idea. It's not often we get to go back and revisit themes or events from old episodes of This Paranormal Life, but that's a cool idea. Maybe there's a few others that are worth revisiting uh, with our now years of experience. Couldn't agree more. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you so much to Amy Grisdale for researching this one. Rory? Like we said, people should go back and check out episode 12 to catch up on the life and times of Val and the guy who got his hand blown off. But you know what they should also check out? What? Here's the catalog of over 50 plus bonus episodes chilling over on patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. Whoa! 50 plus episodes of unreleased content to the public? Plus, you may or may not have seen, we have launched very recently a brand new Patreon exclusive podcast called The After Party. Oh yeah. We've been having a blast recording these. We've been getting blasted recording these. <laughs> I think it's a lot of Hennessy, a lot of cigars. Three out of four of them have been pretty booze heavy. The <laughs> one we recorded most recently, we cracked open a bottle of Irish whiskey that you got me. Uh, it makes it sound unprofessional and bad, but trust us, we still maintain a, <laughs> a certain degree of professionalism to record a podcast. But it's our weekly, every Friday, kind of kick back, hang out, look behind the scenes, do a bit of Q&A, and ultimately give you a little bit more of a sense of the whole world of TPL 
that we live in and we don't get to talk about on the main show. Yikes. All right, well, don't make it sound so weird and nerdy. Like, oh, it's a little behind-the-scenes peek at how the show is made. And, uh, and You're the one ooh, bringing down the tone of the and plug. And a little Q&A. I sold it fine. A little Q&A to answer all your little questions. Well, well all right. It's, it's, I should just not even, like, try <laughs> and plug because I, it's so just, like clockwork that you'll just say I did it wrong and then you'll we'll get it I'm right. Gonna, I'm gonna guess we'll get try right. and do it better and it's gonna be worse. I'm just gonna say no, it's gonna be worse. <laughs> I didn't say that I was gonna try and do it better, so but if you insist but if you insist, yeah, I will I, I will I try and do insist. it better. The the after party is like uh you know that sci-fi drug they smoke in the Judge Dredd movies? No, Space no crack one saw that movie. Or something like it's that? Really, it's a really old movie, and it wasn't good, and there's no reason why anyone should go back and watch it. It's basically hitting play on your Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and then 300 milligrams of space meth goes straight to your brain. You're borderline hallucinating and we're just rambling incoherent sentences. Tells you nothing. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a good podcast. And we don't beep the swear words. We don't beep the fucks. It's raw and uncut like a like a I samurai mean, katana cutting through your your freaking amygdala. So <laughs> amygdala? Is that what it's called? Amygdala? So to be clear, the after party is like smoking space meth and swinging a samurai sword through your abdomen. Yeah. Great. I think that's a pretty accurate... It's kind of unhinged. It's probably another You're word. You're unhinged now. <laughs> another word I could have used. Unhinged, yeah. There are several after-party episodes uh, waiting right now on Patreon.com along with the catalog of 50-plus full-length bonus episodes along with all our new rewards on Patreon.com forward slash This Paranormal Life. It's blowing up over there. Even more of our uh, fabulous listeners are checking it out. Um, and we're really excited to bring you all that new cool stuff. So hope you enjoy it. And let us know what you think of it. Also worth mentioning, on a couple of the tiers, you can get a shout out right here on the show, which is what we're going to do right now. Let's go. So a special thank you to Tom Maidment. If you've got bad breath, don't worry. Because Tom made mint. What? He makes his own mints. Oh. My friend. Yeah. Very nice. Technically, not really making it yourself because he just mashes all the Tic Tacs into one big Tic Tac and Ooh. gives it so it's like a golf ball. And it's he's like, like hey. Gobstopper. He's like, I made a mint. Made mint. Made mint. Tom made mint. You see what I'm trying to do here? Yeah, I'm trying to, yeah. No, no, no. It's just like, yeah, I think he's about to work on the branding or something because it's. It's not great. And the, the thing borderline doesn't work by the time you're done your breath smells worse than ever it's pure sugar it is, <laughs> it is. It's terrible for your teeth thank you also to jamie gustafson and cat nina jamie and his cat nina sounds like a, a fun like kids tv show it does like jamie and nina and they get up to like weekly little hijinks yeah but maybe the hijinks are just that nina's a little a scratchy little cat you know and he's just like spending all the time trying to like calm the cat down yeah, it's pretty messed up. Jamie, I believe, uh, does like illegal uh, cat fights where he trains cats in a kind of MMA fashion to fight in a underground uh, fight club esque situation. Um, okay, we're kind of veering away from Nina the kids' TV is show. Actually, <laughs> I think I don't think we could show the champion to children. cat fighter. Did I mention the cats have <laughs> knives attached to them? No, because if you would have mentioned that, I would have told you to stop. Because he's probably gonna get arrested now, right? All right, Jamie. Think about what you're doing. Thank you also to Jamie Grogan. Do you want your plants to grow again? Come on down to Jamie's Garden Center. 
where they have all the latest fertilizer, bonsai trees, f***ing pine trees. And, and Jamie's, special, Jamie's special brand of fertilizer is borderline space math. It'll have your plants hallucinating like a samurai cutting through an amygdala. <laughs> They'll grow again. They will. Thank you also to Andres Aguilar III. Whoa! We're in the presence of royalty today. What happened to the first and second? That's a little worrying. Andres Aguilar, do you play a guitar? Because uh, that'd be pretty cool if you were royalty and also... A shredder. If he's the third, maybe the first plays drums. The second <laughs> is you know, bass or guitar. You know, it's sure. like you can get a little band together. I like that. Thank you also to Will Daniels. Will Daniels is great because he actually owns his little uh, a little business called Will's Wills, where when one of your loved ones pass away and maybe they didn't uh, leave behind any documentation about how they want their mm-hmm. their worldly possessions distributed. Uh, if you head on down to Will's Wills, he'll make you a will. And uh, between you and me, brother. You can make that sucker say whatever you want. Okay, that <laughs> so, seems. Oh, hey, you, you want dark. the you want the house? You can get the house down at Will's Wills. But, <laughs> but <laughs> I will it, say it, it might be worth heading down because uh, it's also a neighboring business to his brother's business. His twin brother who has the same name for some reason. <laughs> uh, Will's Wills. If you need a new wheel for your car, you can get the house and some new wheels <laughs> thrown in. It's true. Thank you to Alex Allen. You know, I've been telling people I've been going to AA for a few years now. People always give me a lot of respect. They're like, wow, strengths, brother. Keep fighting the good fight. Yeah. Um, they don't realize I've just been going to Alex Allen's house this entire time to play Xbox until 2 a.m. And we get blasted. That's <laughs> the opposite of AA. Cane a six-pack of beer. And we keep yeah. our feelings inside, bottled up. <laughs> it's a real coping mechanism. It is. Thank you, lastly, today, but not leastly, to Diane Rhodes. Diane Rhodes, obviously um, one of the leading family members of the great rivalry between uh, Diane Rhodes, Diane Sidewalk, Diane Pathway, all of the the legendary Dianes that have been fighting for generations. Um, We're a big fan of Diane Rhodes. I I hope you guys come out on top. Screw the cyclists. Yeah, I hope you guys are are the the winning family. I really, I really, I really hope so. All roads lead to Diane. Thank you, Diane. Thank you to everyone. <laughs> We've shouted out on this episode and everyone we're going to shout out in future episodes. Stay tuned. If you haven't heard your shout out yet, it is on its way. Make sure and tune in on Tuesday. We'll be back as always with a brand new paranormal tale. And between you and me, check out patreon.com forward slash just paranormal life because we'll be back with a after party on Friday. See you then. Bye bye. <laughs>